This podcast is brought to you by Craft Beer and Brewing Magazine for those that love to make and drink great beer. Learn more online or subscribe at beerandbrewing.com or find us on social media at Craft Beer Brew. We're in the Czech Republic for this week's episode, and we are uh, we're at actually a Joe, one of Joe's favorite breweries here in Prague. Um, joining me is Alish Pothesol at Zhivnov. Uh, Did I say it correctly? Yeah, perfect. Okay. <laughs> I'm working on my Czech pronunciation on this entire trip. We're going to talk about, this was actually one of Joe's uh, top 10 beers in his personal critics list last year, and uh, led him to make sure that we had uh, got this podcast into our Czech trip here. Uh, we're going to talk about how you brew that beer, and then also uh, yeah, how you take from that uh, that lager brewing base, and even brew creative uh, iterations of that, including even a coffee, imperial coffee lager, uh, which sounds interesting to me, uh, you know, that even here in Prague, you all are, are uh, playing out in the creative space as well as uh, in the very, very traditional space. We're going to talk about all of those things, but first, G&D Chillers, the brewing industry's premier choice for glycol chilling, are proud of the cool partnerships they've built over the past 30 years. G&D Chillers has set the standard on quality, service, and reliability with 24-7 service and support. Want to maximize efficiency in your chiller? G&D's micro-channel condensers are designed for less power draw. Their lighter weight and more compact design uses up to 70% less refrigerant, which means a lower GWP and lower operating costs. Reach out for a quote today at gdchillers.com or call to discuss your next project. Also, today's podcast is sponsored by BSG. When planning your next brewing journey, consider traveling domestically with your malt choice. As distributors of quality domestic malts like RAR and Gambrinus, BSG gives you the freedom to explore a world of flavors, but at local prices, so you can cut costs but not quality. Start exploring at bsgcraftbrewing.com. And is your brewery making its own ciders, seltzers, and other beverages beyond beer? If you need a central source for fruit flavor, Old Orchard has you covered. Old Orchard supplies flavored craft juice concentrate blends to beverage brands for the production of beer, cider, seltzer, wine, spirits, kombucha, and more. Flavor your lineup and streamline your sourcing by heading to oldorchard.com slash brewer. Well, Alish, let's talk a little bit about the brewery here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we gave us a little tour before we started this podcast. Uh, there's quite a bit of history just on this very location that we're in where this brewery is located on the, on the monastery grounds, um, going back uh, a thousand years, maybe a little bit more. Um, this is the third iteration of a brewery right here on this very location. But give us, give us some of that background here on the, on the brewery itself. Yes, uh, we are really proud of the big history in the Brzenov Monastery. Because uh, Brzenov Monastery in Prague is the second oldest monastery in the Czech Republic and oldest man monastery. And we know that this monastery was uh, established in 993. And from the same year, we have got all this written mention about brewing process in the Czech Republic. And this mention told us that uh, Bishop Adalbert banned brewing beer in the monastery area. So uh, this is the oldest mention about, about brewing or beer in the Czech Republic. And now, in 2023, we are in the Brevnov Monastery and we are still brewing. So that's perfect <laughs> for us. But uh, it's important to say that a uh, uh, lot of years uh, brewery wasn't uh, in, in the in the Monastery. So uh, in the middle of uh, 
12th century, the monks started brew beer again. But on the start of 15th century, where so in the Czech Republic were big religion war, so the whole monastery was destroyed, probably with brewery as well. And uh, today's brewery, uh, today's monastery was built in the middle of 18th century, and we know that uh, it was built with a brewery as well. Uh, we know the location of this second brewery. Uh, we know much uh, information about capacity and about brewmasters, but we don't have any recipes uh, from from this uh, second uh, brewery. But uh, we know as well that this brewery was closed in 1889, and the building of the brewery was destroyed in 1950s. So uh, we can say that we are the third uh, brewery in the in the Břevnov monastery area. But now uh, we aren't uh, monks or monks uh, don't brewing a beer. We are a private private brewery. We pay a rent for a building, but uh, we cooperated with the monks uh, because monks uh, or Benedictines uh, they are owners of restaurant and tap room in the monastery area. So we sell our beer to the monastery pubs in the in the in the monastery. So you have a tight relationship here with the yes. other businesses that the monks do own, like you said, the tap room and the restaurant. And uh, you said almost a quarter of the beer that you make is sold right here or around this near these yes. uh, monastery grounds. Yes, because our owners are brewmasters, and uh, we are happy that we can brewing, and that's all. Uh, we don't like uh, have restaurants and any problems with with restaurants. So now we have got just brewery. We are brewing a beer. Uh, we try to have the best beer, best quality. And uh, here in the monastery, the restaurant is about uh, 50 meters from the brewery. So we can guarantee the quality there because we know uh, what batch of brew are, uh, how long they storage the beer and so on. So for us, it's the best situation. And then you have a direct relationship with the Benedict restaurant group that also sells your beer and works with mm-hmm. that Benedict brand. Then you're a part owner of that group also that's in between. And they sell another quarter, another 25% of your beer? Yes. Uh, uh, two years ago was uh, established Benedict Group Company. Uh, this company now has uh, two restaurants in Prague. Uh, one is uh, in the Karolin and the second one is in the city center called Pivarsky Dum. It was one of the oldest micro or uh, pub brewery, uh, originally established in 1988. And uh, this Benedict Group uh, buy uh, beers from the Brzevnov, Brzevnov Brewery or Brzevnov Monastic Brewery. And so this is the relationship between between us. And uh, between all of that, it's 50% you know, of the beer that made, made here at the brewery goes out through those channels. And then you know the rest of it is that, which is a significant amount of beer. You're brewing about 5,000 hectoliters a year. Is that what you mentioned? Yes. Uh, yeah. uh, nowadays, uh, we've got two breweries. The bigger is in the Brzevnov. In the Brzevnov, we are brewing about 4,000 uh, hectoliters of beer. And last year, in 2022, uh, we started brewing beer in the Pivarovsky Dome in the brewery. And there we can brew some seasonal beer or some beer experiment and, and so on. So there, the capacity of the brew house in the, in the Pivarovsky Dome is about 75, 1,000 hectoliters beer of, of per year. So still small and still operating yes, very yes. much at a, a 
craft level. Yes, here. we are proud that our beer could be served just just in in Prague. We have got about 10 up to 15 pubs or restaurants in Prague where they have our beers. After that, we have got some in Hradec Králové and Brno. It's smaller cities in the Czech Republic, but about 95% of our production is sold in the Prague. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting too that uh, you all do package some beer, but only about 20% of the beer that you make. Um, as we were touring the brewery earlier today, they were bottling some of that beer in, in plastic bottles, which is an American, it's, <laughs> it seems like a strange thing for me to, to mm-hmm. watch that. Um, but you were mentioning too that because most of that package, the way that consumers buy and drink packaged beer in plastic bottles is it gets consumed usually within one to three days of mm-hmm. being purchased. Um, you know, that, that's a, an interesting mode of, uh, yes. of beer delivery. For Everyone me. who comes to the brewery and see our plastic bottles, is, is, uh, he can say, wow, why, why do you have, <laughs> I can answer, because Czech people prefer this, uh, these bottles. Uh, they are not so strong and they know uh, that uh, about three, three days they can drink the beer and it's okay. So this is the reason why we have the plastic, plastic uh, bottles. But uh, I'm, or we are happy or satisfied that uh, about 80% of our production are filling to the barrels because maybe uh, you know uh, that the Czech peoples are the biggest drinkers beer uh, in the world. Yeah. Our, our consumption is about uh, 130 liters of beer per year per person, per everyone who lives in the Czech Republic, uh, women, babies. And the, so yes, on. the per capita consumption. Yes. It's not just, it's been number one in the world since they've start, since anyone started tracking this. And it's not just, not like it is almost double the number two in terms of per capita yeah. consumption of beer. Um, because beer consumption here is a very social, you know, uh, yes. process. You, there are places, there are, you know, pubs to drink, you know, beer together everywhere. Everywhere, uh, you know, every neighborhood has many, and uh, you know, it becomes this uh, this kind of standing social occasion to go grab a beer together. Yeah, in past, uh, every every city or every village has so many pubs or restaurants, and after work, uh, people going to the to the pubs and they are talking all night, and they can drink about 10, 12 beers it was enormous number it was in the past uh, last year the situation a little bit changed if uh, the czech people go to the pub uh, they know or we aren't drinking 10 beers it's uh, and most 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 people buys uh, cheaper beer and they are drinking it at home but in the prague uh, People uh, are happy that uh, can go to the restaurant or drink some local beers or some craft beers. So this is the reason why our consumption is is uh, so high. It's also why beers that in that ten degree, eleven degree, that three to four percent range are so popular because uh, they need to be yes, in order to. I, I I say that it's for all day drinking. <laughs> sure. And uh, in the past, about uh, forty years ago. In a big factories in the Czech Republic, uh, for for glass, for example, uh, the local breweries uh, they are brewing the lager with three percent of alcohol. So it's really less numbers of alcohol, and the employees of uh, in these factories they can drink this beer during in the work. So it was it was interesting that it's uh, in our culture we can say uh, that we can drink all uh, all day of this uh, week beer. 
Yeah. Um, despite the, the low ABV, Czech brewers in general, broadly speaking, also focus on building very flavorful and uh, characterful beer. Um, and we can talk about some of those processes, whether it's the usage of hops, whether it's, you know, decoction, building body um, and building kind of flavor and character in these small beers. You all in the Czech Republic have found many ways to do this despite the small scale of the beers. And we're going to tap into your knowledge on how you do that. Before we do that, take your brewing to the next level with AccuBrew's revolutionary fermentation monitoring system, now predicting specific gravity. With predicted SG, you'll have precise control over the fermentation process to ensure consistent, high-quality results. AccuBrew's mobile app and stainless steel sensor work together to send you live data from inside your tanks, including predicted SG, fermentation activity, clarity, and temperature. Join the AccuBrew community and experience 24-7 peace of mind with our set-it-and-forget-it solution. Come see them at CBC Brew Expo in Nashville to meet the engineers at booth 2935. Also, ProBrew has always been a dedicated and trusted partner to breweries, especially when they make the leap to canning their product. That's why they only sell rotary can fillers, which significantly reduce product waste and produce higher quality product than an inline can filler. Need proof? Visit ProBrew at booth 433, as well as at their party at Yazoo Brewing at this year's Craft Brewers Conference in Nashville. To RSVP to their event or schedule time with them at the show, visit them at probrew.com slash CBC, or email contact us at probrew.com. ProBrew, brew your beer. Also, Indie Hops breeds new hop varieties to help brewers captivate beer lovers. Indie's unique varieties like Strata, Lorian, Luminosa, and Meridian are trusted by brewers worldwide to modernize, brighten, and diversify their beer lineup. Indie also offers classics that thrive in Oregon terroir, such as Chinook, Crystal, and Sterling, thoughtfully crafted and selected hops to meet your brewing needs. Visit IndieHops.com podcast and stop by their booth number 2131 at CBC to discover what's new in hop flavors. Indie Hops, life is short. Let's make it flavorful. All right, Alice, let's talk about the way that, uh, that you all approach pale lager. Um, you know, we, maybe we walk through the brewing process uh, and we can start with some, you know, talking about ingredients. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the, th- the key focus, and, and this one I normally don't talk about hops first, but you all have a very interesting, uh, you know, approach to hops. You tend to, you know, have, you have sourced a lot of your, you know, Saz hops from, uh, you know, a, a field or a grower using very old vines. And now you even, now the Benedictine monks have started growing their own hops you even source some from them. One of the characteristics of uh, of some of these is incredibly low alpha and the un, you know, under two percent alpha, uh, like very very low alpha. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but uh, but let's talk about you know talk to me about hops and and, and using Zaz hops in your pale lager. Yes, uh, our pale lager uh, we use uh, two Saz hops. One of them is Benedictine hops. Am I pronouncing that right? How would you pronounce Saz hops? Uh, Žatecký plnaný červenák. It's <laughs> really uh, <laughs> difficult for pronunciation. So, Žatecký plnaný červenák uh, means sas hops. 
in, in Czech language. Evan, uh, we were having, uh, we went out with Evan Rail for some drinks last night, and uh, he was he described it as Zhupacher. <laughs> yeah, Zhupacher. Zhupacher, yeah. yeah. Uh, so we use uh, two SARS hops. One of them is from Benedictine uh, hops fields. These uh, hops, uh, hop fields are young. Uh, they were built in 2017. So the hops is really in good quality and good condition. And Why did the Benedictines decide to start growing hops? Uh, during uh, restitution, uh, they, or our government, they received the old hop fields in the South area. Uh, and they started growing about 30 hectares of, of this area, their own hops. So hmm. it's traditionally processed for Benedict. So restitution, this is a process of, of returning government yes. property in the post. Yes, yeah. because uh, yes, in, in the past, in uh, 1948, uh, communisms, uh, they uh, won an election. And it was a big process when the government have everything, factories and some hops and breweries right. everywhere. Every, everything was owned by it, uh, by communism. Sure. And after after revolution uh, was big privatization, and it's go to today, so we can say. So this is the first hop from from Brentin's hops, and uh, second one it's uh, a really specific SAS hop variety. This variety has really a low percentage of alpha acids. It's uh, 1.9 exactly, and we can combine these two uh, SAS hop varieties uh, during a process on the brew house. Uh, our first hop edition. Reading is uh, during the lottering. It's like first mesh hopping, I think mm-hmm. it's English. And the last uh, last uh, adding of up is go to the Whirlpool. It's for this, both of them, we can say it's for aroma. And after that, we are uh, hopping uh, usually in, during a hop boiling. What is the ultimate IBU goal for your pale lager? Uh, 33, 34 IBU. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about that. Now, you getting that kind of it's a significant amount of, of IBU, um, especially with such a low alpha hop. That has to pose some interesting challenges for you. Yes, uh, because uh, if we know that beer has to be 33, 34 uh, IBU, it's necessary to add a lot of hops uh, with less percentage of alpha acid. So there are a lot of hop oils and uh, we believe that this is uh, the reason creates the specific hops aroma of or sas aroma of our beers a lot of czech breweries they combine uh, sas hop with sladek or agnus or other czech hop varieties but uh, we believe that just sas hops is best possibility for uh, our lager or pilsner style lager and even just calling it Saz is is a very broad term. You know, these there's a lot of breadth within the expression of Saz itself. How do you do? You, how do you describe the way that uh, your the Saz that you use uh, reflects itself in the beer? In the in the aroma, I think that it's a little bit like grassy aroma, or, mm-hmm. or a little bit hoppy and a little bit like lemon. But grassy is his first uh, first noticeable aroma for me. Yeah, and how would you say some of these older uh, uh, hop fields that you source from compare to the the younger ones? How what is does that how does that affect the uh, the aroma and flavor of the hops themselves? Uh, it's uh, 
we know at, at first uh, we know where uh, was the hop grown. So it's perfect for us because every year we can go to the hops field and see how looks like cones and mm -hmm. how, how will be the alpha acid, for example. So it, at first it's good for us. And after that, we have got uh, fresh hops after, after hop harvest, about two months after that. So we know that it's, it's fresh and it's really good for hops oil. We know that uh, if we have got uh, old, old hops, it isn't good for, good for the aroma. Mm -hmm. So this is the reason why we are happy and proud that we have got uh, cooperation with the monks because we know our, or we know uh, their hops fields. Yeah. And so you try to use those hops as close to harvest as you can, always using, you know, basically the, the current crop year as, as quickly as you can get into that. You're not storing them back there for years and years. Uh, it's, it's, we will see. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Now talk to me about why you spread that, that hops fr everywhere from, you know, while you're loudering through the whirlpool, um, you know, rather than just doing a, a set number of, of boil additions on the hops. What do you, what do you find, uh, you know, comes from that and how do you then, uh, you know, how much do you then spread on the front and back end versus that middle boil process? Mm -hmm. At first, uh, before boiling, uh, we add about 25% uh, of, of uh, bitterness of beer. And uh, we know that the pH level uh, is different uh, before boil and during a boil. Mm -hmm. So uh, we believe that it's uh, specific effects for, for hop soil and for, uh, for the aroma at the final result. And uh, the last adding of hop during a uh, whirlpool, yes, the temperature there is about 95 degrees of Celsius. So uh, not boiling and a lot of, lot of hops oil uh, can be uh, still be in, in the world. So these two reasons are for us the most important if we are brewing or talking about the aroma of, of our lager. How, how strong, how much uh, of that hops uh, bill goes into the whirlpool versus earlier uh, on? We add, how, ar how aromatic are you trying to make this? Uh, we add uh, one kilograms and 1500 grams to one batch and our batch is uh, 2000 liters. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, I mean, that's interesting. Obviously, you know, within other modern beer styles, whirlpooling has become much, much more popular um, and it, it's interesting to watch how that same kind of component is just as uh, powerful here yeah. within the world of pale lager. It could be uh, like modern view for old recipes for pale lagers, yes. Yes. Yeah. But uh, we love that uh, beer is, uh, has character, we can say. So if you are drinking lager, if we, uh, and this lager is well-balanced and drinkable and has nice happy aroma for us, it's, it's perfect. Nice happier. Now you've you have a, there's a Czech term for this kind of approach to drinkability. Talk to me about that. Uh, we talked about this topic on the start when I say that uh, Czech people has the biggest conception of beer world uh, in the world. Uh, so this is the reason uh, that Czech uh, beer is drinkable. Drinkable or drinkability means that our beers are well balanced. It's for all day drinking. How I said. And uh, it's necessary, uh, the beer has to be mold body from the Czech molds on the uh, degree of attenuation. And so this mold body uh, could be well balanced or be equal to with, uh, with the hops and bitterness. And uh, that means that if we drink pale lager, we need more than more. 
So this this uh, this is it's this drinkability for for us for Czech people. That mm-hmm. if we are going to the pub, we uh, don't drinking one beers. It's about three four because we love it and beer is drinkable. And so it uh, at the same time has to to carry this drinkability and this ease of consumption, but it also Czechs drink a lot of of this beer and they. Uh, have the ability, they, they also want something there. And so the, there's some character to it. And so it has to both be something that you enjoy drinking and also be something that you can continue to drink, you know, frequently. Let's talk about that. And, and I think in such a pale beer, you all do a phenomenal job of building this this feel of body. Um, talk to me about how you do that, both through the malt, you know, through mm-hmm. the decoction and this kind of mashing process. Start starting with how you select yes. malt for the beers. Uh, at first, uh, it's malt. Malt is important for us. We use a malt from Czech Maltery. They use the Moravia barley, and uh, this is the first step. This malt has about twelve uh, percent of of uh, proteins. In proteins, we know that uh, proteins create the malt, malt body. And this is the third reason. And for our per lager, we use just Pilsner malt. Any caramel, any minic, just Pilsner malt, and that's all. So this is the reason why we can see the color of the beer. It's a little bit yellow. We can say not 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 gold like mm-hmm. Pilsner, other Pilsner style beers. So it's little bit yellow, but this is the reason why. And in, a, in the picture that we have here, you know, it's, it's, yes, it's it <laughs> almost looks amber, uh, you know, in mm-hmm. that kind of context. For something with all Pilsner malt, uh, it definitely yeah. Yeah. has some significant color to it. Yes, but I know that uh, most of Czech breweries they com- they can uh, use uh, Pilsner malt, Munich malt, caramel malt. Uh, really, I don't know a uh, lot of. Czech breweries uh, will brew just from Pilsner malt. I think that's it's specific for us. Mm. So this is this is the malt. After that is uh, brewing techniques or brewing recipe for our pay lager. We use a double decoction process. It's long and it's expensive. We know it. <laughs> <laughs> we know it. But uh, we know that the final product, the beer, it's it's really really good by using the double decoction. Uh, Let's talk about that. So, you, you know, you, this brewery you, was founded in 2011. You've been brewing for about 12 years now. Mm-hmm. It wasn't as if it was a historical, you know, you didn't inherit this process of decoction. You all have made a conscious choice to brew beer in this way using this double decoction process and pale lager. Um, why do that? And what does that decoction then mm-hmm. look like for you all? Uh, that's interesting that uh, we found uh, all this beer recipe from 1585 from from Czech Republic and in this recipe is triple decoction it's from us all this recipe which we found and we were serious surprised that in the 16th century the brewmaster used likes today triple decoction process so we can say it's yes it's traditionally but uh, nowadays we know that uh, the decoction process it's good for drinkability, for a malt body, and for a specific uh, contribution of, of sugars or some dextrins and sugars. And it's good for fermentation and for, for bodies. Uh, we try to uh, beer our... And I should say this, you also make single infusion beers here. You yeah. do make single infusion IPA and stout um, in smaller amounts. And so you are 
you are definitely, you know, you are very specifically choosing this mm -hmm. mash process for this kind of beer. Uh, the decoction for lager? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes, it's for uh, for sugars in the in the world and it's for fermentation because our our alternation of uh, pale lager is about 75%. And this is the maximum uh, what can yeast eat. Eat, we can say, if we used uh, other process, for example, infusion, maybe the attenuation will be higher. But for for lager, for drinkability for body, is uh, single uh, double decoction is is best possibility for it. So what is what is your double decoction? Yes. look like. I can uh, start talking from the start. Mm -hmm. So at first, the meshing in temperature is uh, 37 degrees of Celsius. We mix water with the malt. After that, uh, we heat uh, to the temperature of uh, uh, 53 degrees. And during this temperature, we separate uh, two thirds of, of the volume to other vessel. And after that, we are working with one third. And we are working, that means that we are heating to uh, 73 or 72 degrees of Celsius. There are rest of 15 minutes after we are heating to boil and boiling about 20 minutes. After the boiling, uh, we put together uh, the olive volume, we stir it, and after that we uh, separate one third again. The, the temperature after mixing is about uh, 63, 65 degrees of Celsius. So after that we separate the one third, and after that we are heating again to 73, 15 minutes rest and after heating to the boil and after it's uh, 15 minutes boiling. After a second boiling, we put together the all temperature of uh, all volume is about 73, 74 degrees and that's all. And after we can uh, start with the process slaughtering. Obviously this has some sort of, you know, color contribution you know, to the beer and, uh, you know, how do you, or is your, I should also ask, is this brew house a direct fire brew house? Is this a, a steam brew house? What does that, that process then look like? Uh, steam brew house. Steam brew house. Uh, and so you're not necessarily getting that kind of high heat caramelization, you know, process, but you're still trying to, you know, achieve this you know, kind of color and body through that, uh, with even with that steam brew house. Uh, our brew house is made from stainless uh, and uh, steam heating is it's good for it. So we don't have any problem with, with uh, more color, coloring of, of our words. Yeah, yeah. Um, wh how did, where do you go then through after this mash process? Are there, are there any other details there that uh, you find add character to the beer? Or do you then, you know, how do you then go through the rest of the, the hot side process? Uh, it uh, depends of uh, every year's crop of barley. Yes, uh, we know how many you know, proteins are there, how many amino acids or nitrogen mm -hmm. or uh, extractivity of, of the malt. And every year is, these numbers are different. So after when we saw the analytics of, of the malt, we uh, changed the, the, the temperatures and the volumes. Really? Yeah. What would be some of the things that would cause you to, to change some of the parameters then of this mash? Uh, at first, for example, we can talk about proteins. Mm -hmm. uh, if it's a higher number of proteins and uh, not so much uh, amino acids or nitrogens, uh, 
it could be a good potential for a lot of diacetyl in the beer. Mm. So we know that it's necessary to have uh, the bigger or longer rest in the temperature of 53-55 degrees of Celsius. Yeah, this is the first step and yes, this and uh, it's for the acetyl, for example. And after that, second one is for attenuation. If we have got uh, a lot of proteins and not amino acid, it's necessary to, it's not so good for, for process fermentation. Mm-hmm. So that mash will change every year then based on what the barley yes, looks not, like. So the differences isn't, uh, aren't big. Yes, but uh, every year we are checked with the analysis of, of malt. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, what does the, the boil process then look like on, this, on the pale lager? Do you mean hot boiling process? Yeah. Yes. Uh, after, after meshing, it's process lottering. Here it's about two hours. At the end of the lottering, we add the first, first hop. And uh, after, when we have got a word... Uh, in the in the vessel, start with the process of boiling. Uh, it's long about uh, 90 minutes, half an hour, uh, one hour and a half, <laughs> 90 <laughs> minutes. And uh, we add uh, the second hop to the start of boiling and uh, third hop at the end of the boiling and last hop we are at uh, to the whirlpool. And during, uh, during this boiling, I think that's about 7% are evaporated. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the start of boiling, uh, our plateau is uh, 12. And at the end of boiling, we have got 12.4. I don't know if, if you know the plateaus in the US. Yes. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit more about this. But first, are you ready to start canning your craft beverages? Twin Monkeys Beverage System is here to help. The troop of engineers, service techs, and microbrew fanatics offer customizable packaging solutions for every craft. Their canning lines are affordable, made in the USA, and engineered to grow alongside the needs of your business. Visit twinmonkeys.net today and learn just how easy it is to get your craft into cans. Also, do you know Britannomyces yeast? Brett is wild, it's unpredictable, gives funky notes to beer, evolves in time. Historically, it was used without control, but Fermentis has harnessed it Discover Soft Brew BR8, the first dry Brett by Fermentis, now available in 100 grams and 5 grams. Want to know more? Don't miss the Fermentis Academy 2023 program in Minneapolis, April 11th, or in Portland, April 13th, or meet Fermentis experts CBC in the BSG Village to answer all of your questions. They'll also hold a Soft Brew BR8 Barnyard Bash on Monday, May 8th from 2 to 4.30, you are cordially invited. Don't miss it. And ABS Commercial has been a full-service brewery outfitter for over 10 years. They're proud to offer brew houses, tanks, keg washers, and small parts to brewers across the country, as well as equipment for distilling, cider making, wine making, and more. Contact them today at sales at abs-commercial.com to discuss your customized brewery needs. Going to the Craft Brewers Conference in Nashville, stop by their booth to connect with their brewery consultants and enter for a chance to win a keg Viking keg washer, ABS commercial, we are brewers. Let's talk about fermentation. Uh, you know, what does fermentation look like on this part on this pale lager? Uh, we use uh, specific uh, yeast strain for for lagers. Maybe you know uh, W thirty four. It's from originally from German, mm-hmm. but we use uh, like more pilsner. It's uh, called H uh, yeast strain. 
Uh, we've got our own lab, uh, so we can uh, produce our own yeast. So mm. it's uh, really, really good for us. And uh, after that, the uh, starting temperature of fermentation is uh, 80 degrees of Celsius. Uh, after that, we aerate the wort and add the yeast. And temperature, time of fermentation is about 10, 11, 12 days. And during this time, yeast, they eat about 75% of sugars. And this is in conic, cylindroconical fermenters? Yes, yes for, for, for pale lager, we use cylindroconical vessels for fermentation. You have open fermenters, but you can only put dark lager in those yes, due to space concerns. We are in the monastery, we can see the history there, and open fermentation vessels are good for historical or more traditional recipes, so we use it just for dark lager. So with with this, you know, then lager fermentation, you say, you know, ten days or so, and then uh, what's the what do you how does that move from there? Uh, at the end of fermentation, yeah. uh, we can close the the fermentation vessel. Uh, that means that uh, the pressure are going up. We got uh, it's for for carbonation mm -hmm. and uh, spunding the tanks. I don't know what does it, oh. what does it mean. <laughs> it's what you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, after that, we cooled the young beer to temperature about 2 degrees of Celsius. Uh, after that, uh, the yeast, they are sitting down to the conical, uh, conical bottom. Mm -hmm. We separate the yeast and pump the young beer to other vessels and start the last process of production of beer. This process is called uh, uh, lagering or or maturation. Uh, this is the longest step uh, for our Benedict Lager. Uh, it's necessary to have three weeks, or three, four weeks, one month in mm -hmm. the in the maturation vessels. And during this time, beer is more carbonated, more clarified, and tastes better than to the start. The bottom fermented yeast they are good because the temperature of maturation is about three, four degrees of Celsius. These yeasts are still alive and they are still fermenting. So the change of the beer is it's a little bit different than the start of this process. What uh, if you as you taste this because you all I'm sure you know sample and understand like what over that maturation process? How would you describe what happens to the beer? as that yeast is still doing a little bit of stuff, but working very slowly in that very cold temperature? Uh, on the start of the process, uh, the beer is really like glassy or grassy, or we can feel the green apple, for example, mm. a lot of by using Czech yeast diacetyl, and at the end of the process, the beer is more clarified uh, with no off flavors, and, and more carbonated, and bitterness is, is better for drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to me a little bit about diacetyl. Now, uh, obviously, uh, it is a it's a well known thing amongst brewers that uh, the Czech public has a much higher tolerance threshold for diacetyl than uh, consumers, or that uh, some brewers in other countries might uh, accept or enjoy in their beer. Um, uh, controlling that becomes a balance because it can provide extra feeling of body in these very light beers. Um, but of course, too much can be uh, uh, make yes. it a more negative drinking experience. Yes, I agree. Uh, if you are traveling in the in the Czech Republic and you are drinking uh, lagers from the small or craft breweries, maybe you notice that uh, diacetyl is in a higher level uh, than in the other breweries in the world. We know it, uh, and in my opinion, I think that uh, the lower percentage of diacetyl isn't isn't big problem because diacetyl. 
good, well-balanced beer. Uh, the bitterness with a little bit percent of the acetyl, it's, it's uh, nice and good for drinking. But it's important to say that if you are uh, if you are uh, drinking the lager or in the aroma, uh, the first notes uh, isn't to be to feel the acetal. Yes, I think that the acetal could be in the background of the beer. After that, I think it isn't a problem with it. But in the first touch, if we, we can feel the acetal, is it, uh, it isn't good for it. You know, I think Americans in particular get trained on the idea of diacetyl as purely an off flavor, um, but describing it that way, it is, it's an attribute of the beer. Uh, and as, as we were having a conversation with Evan Rail about that last night, he was, he, I think he mentioned that uh, you know, like threshold perception is somewhere around 50 or 60 parts per million and that generally the upper threshold in Czech beer is around 200 parts per million, mm-hmm. but above 200 that's about the ceiling and if it's higher than that then that can uh, be a negative you know there it is a higher threshold but it's not an infinitely high Mm -hmm. threshold Um, it has to hit a a window there where it uh, accomplishes from a textural component how do you think that that uh, that benefits some czech lager uh texture you mean the body body yeah. yeah Uh, it's important for it, and this is the reason why we use the decoction process or double decoction process because uh, in Czech language it's called chlebnatost. It's like bready, bready flavor or bready taste in mm-hmm. English maybe, and it's good for uh, for drinking for to make nice noticeable body and with balance with the bitterness. So uh, we don't like beer without body. It's like, I don't know, Heineken, for example, this is lager. This beer is clarified with no of flavors, but uh, it's good for thirsty and that's enough. If you are drinking other beer like Pilsner Rukwell, Gambrenus or other beers, it's from Brook Breweries. They are good because they have got body, they have got a texture and it's good for drinking. Are there any other, uh, you know, any other special secrets to your brewing of pale lager that uh, that you'll share with us that we may not have talked about yet? It's necessary to brew with love and with happiness, and it's it's difficult because uh, we spent a lot of time in the brewery. The process of brewing of lager is about nine hours, now nine hours, hours, <laughs> excuse me, and it's so it's long time process. Uh, we we have to go to the brewery during the weekends because it's necessary to measure the process attenuation. Uh, so I think that the, every workers or brewmasters who works in the brewery has to love the beer and to to have all brewery process or brewing process to have under the control of, of him. Well, let's talk about some other beers that you brew. Uh, you, um, you mentioned that you, know, you brew a range of lagers up to an imperial lager, which happens to be one of the favorites of the, the monks here. And uh, you even brew a imperial coffee lager, where uh, you're infusing uh, coffee in lager itself. Let's talk a little bit about your approach to that. Maybe we should pour some before we talk about it. Uh, yes, uh, every year we are brewing about thirty beer styles or, or further kinds of beers. Uh, at first, for example, imperial lager. I think that we have got in the bottles there. We can we can taste it. Sure. Uh, Imperial Lager is uh, really interesting because a lot of Czech breweries uh, or toward breweries, if you are brewing uh, strong beer, it's mostly they are top fermented 
mainly in, in German we can found some box and these beer styles with higher percentage of alcohol but bottom fermented. So we would like to uh, create the beer which is well balanced, drinkable, but with high, high percentage of alcohol. So our, our Imperial Lager has 9% of alcohol. It's really enormous numbers for bottom ferment, fermented beer. But uh, for us it's a little bit dangerous because <laughs> this beer is really good, uh, it's really drinkable. Yeah, so we use double decoction as well. At the start of, uh, or at the end of boiling, we add the sugar because there are a lot of, uh, it's necessary to have good start of fermentation and sugar, it's good uh, food for, for yeast at the start of this process. When you say sugar, you mean dextrose? Yes, or, yeah. yes. Yeah. And uh, we use just sas hops like for, for pay lager, uh, other yeast strain like W, uh, 34 yeast for for this uh, this beer and uh, because it can attenuate yeah more yeah, alcohol yeah, yes yeah. absolutely and the process maturation is long is long about uh, two months or three months so it's a really long time process for for it and we believe that this beer is really originally and it's we are we are, we really like this 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 beer because we are proud that we have got well balanced lager with high percentage of alcohol. Yeah, yeah. In terms of as as you go through that production, uh, what are some of the uh, kind of key points where you are pay extra attention to it uh, because of the high alcohol? Are there any points, whether it's fermentation or uh, you know even on the the mash side of that, where uh, you have to give it extra care and make sure that things operate in a very specific way in order to, to be successful? Yes, uh, during the meshing, uh, the time of rest are longer. Mm. It's about uh, 40, 40 minutes during 63 and 72 degrees of Celsius. Uh, fermentation is longer as well. And on, on the brew house, we measure sugar. This is uh, really important. If we have uh, about 19 or 18 plateaus, it's necessary to boiling more more mm-hmm. time to to uh, to have 20 degrees of plateaus. And uh, to fermentation, we add two times more yeast than for lager. So there are a lot mm-hmm. of lot of yeast going uh, inside the wort, a lot of aerated wort, and and a uh, long time process maturation what other what other beers uh, you know do you make here that uh, that you uh, are especially proud of uh, we are brewing for example uh, our monastic ipa and i think that our ipa is so specific because it's not us or west coast ipa it isn't new england ipa it isn't uh, british ipa it's something between both of these styles you have to brew West Coast style IPA here it has to be West Coast style. Can't be West Coast. <laughs> we were having this. We love parsing this language out because, of course, American brewers are brewing Czech style lagers <laughs> and not Czech lagers. Um, you know, and then the vice and the opposite is also true. Then, if you if you're brewing American beer styles here, anyway, I digress. Uh, uh, you know, talk to me about brewing a monastic IPA. Uh, it's like uh, Czech. Uh, Power of view of for IPA, 
Uh, we, have, we would like to have IPA, which is well-balanced and drinkable. It sounds strange, we can say, but if we are going to the pub or restaurant and we offer IPA, a lot of people uh, can drink IPA all night. We can drink four or five IPAs and for it, for this reason, it's necessary to have well-balanced beer. So uh, we, have, we would like to have in the, our IPA uh, malt body. Uh, with uh, well balanced with the higher bitterness, it's about uh, 70 IBU. But by using uh, US hops like Citra, Mosaic, and Chinook, we use to our IPA to create uh, this specific hop flavor. So it's like combination of these. These. Well, how does uh, you know how how does that how do you make it your beer? Is this using the same kind of Pilsner malt base, or are you uh, using? Uh, two-row malt for that, uh, uh, we use, and then how about fermentation? Uh, we use uh, pay malt from the UK, and uh, just about uh, 8% of wheat malt, and uh, about 10% of manic malt. Mm. Uh, and we use uh, uh, American American dry dry yeast. I think that's uh, it's for from fermentis US zero five. US yeah. yeah, yeah, cool. And uh, and so it's just it's more of a, a straight ale fermentation then. And uh, um, you know, in terms of are there is there anything else that you do to to put a, a check spin on it? Uh, we don't use dry hop for IPA. It's, no. no, it's uh, I think interesting because a lot of breweries in the Czech Republic we are brewing IPA. Dry hop is, the, for example, most important we can say to create nice hoppy aroma and specific character, hoppy character of beer. But uh, we add the final uh, hops at the end of Whirlpool, mm. and that's all. Not so our IPA isn't so hoppy like other other IPAs. So I think that this is other. Uh, specific points of our IPA. Um, what is the what is the alcohol ABV on that on the IPA? Uh, Six point five. Okay, so it's in a pretty normal place yeah. for for IPA. Um, that's interesting. And then uh, you know how do those American hops, like Mosaic and uh, Citra and whatnot, uh, play in this environment with Czech beer drinkers? Uh, these hops are so popular uh, because uh, the big explosion of craft breweries was in 2010-2011 in the Czech Republic and I think that every new brewery brew IPA. The IPA is the second most popular beer in the Czech Republic after lager. Mm. We have got IPA because Czech people like bitter and hoppy beers. So the uh, use US aromatic hops are a good possibility for us and uh, it doesn't problem to get every every hops from the US so we are happy that we can we have got these opportunities for for use it so citra and mosaic are the most popular yes, I think that it's the same situation in the US and yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> after that we can combine with other other uh, hop varieties it's fun and it's interesting to see that that uh um, there is at the same time this embrace of more historical Czech pale lager, but also the same breweries who are embracing, you know, these contemporary, you know, newer hops and uh, these, uh, you know, American beer styles that are now filtering back out to the rest of the world. Uh, at the same time now where American brewers are embracing brewing more Czech 
large-scale loggers. And, uh, and so the world gets more diverse and more uh, interconnected uh, you know, as we continue through this. Are there any other uh, you know, beers that you all are particularly proud of? Uh, two years ago, we started uh, India Pale Lager. It's a really popular new beer styles in the Czech Republic. India Pale Lager? Yes. Okay. Uh, you should just call it cold IPA from now on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but uh, nowadays, uh, cold IPA, it's uh, in the Czech Republic, uh, our beers with a higher percentage of IBV. Uh, in the Pale Lager, uh, it's like the Sitka, Irenácka, Dvanácka in cold Czech language. It's like, uh, it's for lagers with four up to 5% oh, of okay. alcohol. Mm. So this is our differences between IPL and cold IPA. And our, our uh, it's called Hoppy Benedict. Uh, we use a single decoction lager and for this beer we use uh, processed dry hop. We use Citra and Mosaic for, <laughs> for, for dry hop. And it's really good and I think that uh, a lot of people love, love this beer because we can feel the hoppy notes in the aroma, but it's still drinkable. So it's a really nice combination of lager and IPAs. Are you then on the, you know, so obviously dry hop would be citrus and mosaic, or citra and mosaic. Um, you know, is there any kind of size base in this uh, anywhere else in order to uh, also add some familiarity to it? We tried to use sass for dry hops, but it wasn't so, it wasn't so good. Mm. Uh, it was, uh, it wasn't so, it wasn't drinkable. Yeah, yeah. Because the sass hops, uh, they don't have a lot of hops oil, so the aroma was a lot just grainy and like green green fruits and it isn't it isn't uh, so so good sure sure well let's uh, let's you know take a big picture look what uh, what does the future look like here for Jevnov and uh, you know and ben, the Benedict brand where do you where do you hope to go over the next few years obviously you've we've gone through the pandemic had a lot of you know a lot of challenges for Czech drinking mm -hmm. culture because it Czech drinking culture is so much based on in-person drinking together. Um, it, you know, knowing what the future is going to look like now uh, may, you know, it may still seem a little bit blurry. Um, but what do you think? You know, how do you see things going over the next uh, five years, and what do you all hope to to ultimately become with the brewery? Uh, for me, the most important thing uh, to has a higher percentage of our output to fill to the barrels. Because in my opinion, I think that the best beer which we have is uh, fresh and tapped uh, in the restaurant or in the pub. So we are proud that 80% uh, of our capacity is filled to the barrels and sell them to the, to the restaurants or pub. So to the future, I think that it's really important to have this, this percentage uh, of volume to the barrels because beer has uh, big culture in the Czech Republic and going to the pubs and drinking good beers are important for me. So this is the first step. But on the other side, we would like to buy a better uh, filling machine for filling bottles. Mm -hmm. And uh, in my dreams, I would like to cooperate with other breweries from Benedictine monasteries. I know that uh, two of them are in Austria, about 10 of them are in Germany. One is in France and one in Italy and two are in the US. So we, we would like to build some cooperation with these Benetton breweries and this is my dream. I, <laughs> we will see if is it possible or not in, in the future. Well, I think that's a good place to bring this to a close. G&D Chillers has set the standard on quality, service and reliability with 24-7 service and support. 
Consider traveling domestically with quality domestic malts like Rar and Gamberness from BSG. Try Old Orchard's flavored craft juice concentrate blends in your next craft beverage. Join the AccuBrew community and experience 24-7 peace of mind. ProBrew's rotary can fillers reduce waste and produce higher quality packaged beer. Indie Hops has the hops you need. Twin Monkeys offers customizable packaging solutions for every craft. Discover Soft Brew BR8, the first dry brett by Fermentus. ABS Commercial is your full service brewery outfitter. Of course, if you enjoy this podcast and any others, go to beerandbrewing.com, click on that subscribe button and show us that this content matters to you. Alish, if people learn more about Jivnav, where do they uh, where do they find out more about this brewery and the Benedict brand of beers? Uh, we have got some Facebook page or Instagram or our web page, Brevnoski uh, Pivovar. There are information about our brewery and about our beers, for example. There are some contacts for me, for example, if you have got or your friends have any question about Czech beers or some recipes, you can uh, you can find my, my email address and write me. It's no problem to answer there about some Czech beers and our Benedict. And so uh, I think that the best thing is go to Dobrzevnov and see our brewery, taste our beer in, in, in Prague. I would concur with that. It's a beautiful monastery here and uh, you know, what better place to, to drink the beer than right here on the grounds where the brewery is located too. Um, and of course, if you are a subscriber to Beer and Brewing, go to beerandbrewing.com, read Evan's story that he wrote for us on uh, you know, that uh, your approach to building drinkability in lager. And there's also a, a homebrew scaled recipe for brewing your own pale, it's a pale lager recipe, I believe, uh, on the website there. And so all of those things, all of those resources are available for you. Uh, Alash, thank you so much for talking with us on this podcast. It's been a pleasure seeing the brewery, tasting your beer, and talking to you about the way you brew. Thank you very much. Uh, it was the first time when I was talking to the podcast, so I, I hope it, it wasn't so bad <laughs> because my English isn't so good, so I hope it was clear for me. Your English was fantastic, and uh, I really appreciate you sharing your point of view on brewing. Cheers. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by Craft Beer and Brewing Magazine for those that love to make and drink great beer. Learn more online or subscribe at beerandbrewing.com or find us on social media at craftbeerbrew.